Good morning. Let me try that again. Good morning. Have you been blessed thus far? Amen. There is nothing like a move of God. I know preaching will follow, but sometimes we just have to allow God to do what he does. Anybody need a word this morning? Come on, don't paticake me. Does anybody need a word this morning? If you have your Bibles, your phones, your Bible apps, turn with me to the Gospel of John, the eighth chapter, and I will commence reading at verse 31. John chapter 8, the Gospel according to John chapter 8, I will commence reading at verse 31 and conclude at verse 36. Again, that's John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. And in reverence to his word, would you please stand as we read it? John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. When you have it, say amen. If you need a minute, say wait a minute. All right, I think we all have it. This is God's recorded word. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I'm going to pause right there for a minute. Because that will preach in itself. So I'm going to read it one more time until you get it in your spirit. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. You may be seated in his presence. Our thought is, is from verse 36, and I'll read that again for your hearing. I want you to re realize that this is Jesus speaking to the Jews. And he says, if the Son, notice that that is capital S-O-N, therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. For the time that we have this morning, I want to tag the text. Uh, we had this title before, and I want to make it a series uh, you remember the title, Won't He Do It? Won't He Do It? And for the purpose of today, I want to give it the subtitle, Won't He Make You Free? Won't 
he make you free. Now, um, preaching is call and response. And I'm going to give you the call. And the call is, this is me speaking, when I, when I give the call, won't he make you free, your response is, is going to be, yes, he will. You got it? All right, so, so for the purpose of, you know, I'm a military man, we like to do uh, what, we, what we call um, rock drills and rehearsals. So we're going to do a quick rock drill and rehearsal just so that when I get into the meat of the sermon, you'll know when to come in. So here's the call. Won't he do it? All right, I think we got it. Walk with me in this text. So let me just give you a recap of the word won't for all of my English teachers. Won't, in the context of the title, is spelled W-O-N-T. Not W-O-N apostrophe T. Because W-O-N apostrophe T negates everything that you said. So for the purpose of this title, it's W-O-N-T, and it literally means use, custom. It is the way of life. Won't he do it? All right, I'm just making sure you're still awake. If your neighbor's getting sleepy, shake them and tell them you need to pay attention because the, the preacher's trying to teach you something this morning. So when we look at the context of this weekend, July the 4th, 1776, the United States of America declared their independence from Britain. And when they declared their independence, war ensued. I want you to catch that, that when you declare a thing, something will happen after you declare a thing. So the United States declared their independence and war ensued after their declaration. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, June 19th, we celebrated Juneteenth, which is short for June 19th. We as a people in 1863 received an Emancipation Proclamation from Abraham Lincoln stating that we were no longer slaves or in bondage. The word emancipated means that you were set free. But how many of you know that sometimes when you're set free, everybody doesn't get the memo? Two years later, our brothers and sisters that were in Galveston, Texas, got the memo the Union Army went in and reminded them that they were free, that they were liberated. Won't he do it? You're still with me. So let's look at the text. John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. We know that the author of the text is John. I like my brother John because John, he is not one of the synoptic gospel writers who are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John looks at it from a different perspective, and what I like about John, when John writes, if you are a wordsmith, you love the way that he writes. He doesn't pity patty around. He gets right to the subject. He tells you what he needs to do. He's like a boxer. He's in and out. 
and the fight is over. If you wait too long, it'll go right over your head. So John, when he opens up this text this morning, I know I got some smart people in here, so I, got a, I did my homework, everybody. I did my homework, preachers and teachers. The exegesis of this text, in chapter 8, you have John who is talking about Jesus the Christ. If you have a red-letter Bible, that means that everything that is in red, Jesus is speaking. How many of you know that when Jesus is speaking, he's trying to get your attention? So I pay attention to everything that's in red. If I don't pay attention to anything else, I'll pay attention to what Jesus is saying. Can I get an amen right there? So John opens this text up. He gives a story. Jesus is talking. He's having a discourse with the Jews. These are the people of God. And in this chapter, Jesus is now uh, being accused of heresy by the Jewish people. They want to convict him of blasphemy based upon the things that he's saying. So Jesus, you all know, when he went into the temple as a young man, he began to teach. And we find Jesus opening up in chapter 8, coming from the Mount of Olives back into the temple to teach. As he comes into the temple, he begins to tell a story. And the Jewish people, they come up to Jesus and they give him this story about a widow woman who has been caught in adultery. Now, they're trying to catch Jesus in a lie so that they can convict him of blasphemy. Check out how Jesus handles these Jewish people. They come in and they say, we caught this woman in adultery, like really firsthand, caught her in adultery. When you read the text, they only mention the woman. Wait a minute. Uh, uh, pause. If you're caught in adultery, doesn't it take two to tangle? So why is it that only the woman was brought before the court to be tried? I like how Jesus handles them. He literally bows down in the ground and he begins to write something on the ground. Now, I don't know about you, but I just got a, a funny suspicion that whatever he was writing, the text doesn't say it. So please allow me to isogeet the text for you. He's writing in the ground, and I can see him writing these words. Fornicator. One got up. He exited the building. Drunk. Another one got up. He exited the building. Let me go over here. I, I took care of this side of the room. Murderer, he got up, he exited the building. Idolater, he got up and he exited the building. 
And then Jesus, he, he raises his head and he looks up and ain't nobody there. So Jesus, he takes a teaching moment and he tells the lady, where are your accusers? And she looks around and is like, they're all gone. And he says, sin no more. The lady leaves. Then he continues, and that was verses 1 through 11 in chapter 8. Verses 12 through 20, he begins to tell them that he is the light of the world. And see, when he says he is the light of the world, light and darkness, they can't dwell in the same place. We can dim the lights in here in the sanctuary to set the atmosphere, but I don't care how much light you turn out or, or how, many, how many lights you turn out, there is always light present even in the darkness. There's going to be illumination from the, under the doors. It illuminates and Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Now look, he gets them by saying this. He knows Jewish custom. In order for you to say that you are the light of the world, he says, I and my father are one. I bear witness of the father. Here's a teaching moment for your elders. In order for you to have a witness in the Jewish custom or tradition, you have to have at least two. I hope you caught that because we in America, when you say you have an eyewitness account, that's one. I would suggest that if we had two or more to bear witness, then there would be more truth and there would be less black and brown people in jail today. I ain't even going there because this ain't that time to go there. We're going to stay in the text. That's another sermon for another day. But Jesus says that I bear witness of my father, which means that that's two because he says, me and my father, we are the same. Right over the Jews' head because they didn't realize what was taking place. Fast forward, he tells us in verses 21 through 29 or 30 that he's going to prepare a place. His death is preeminent. So he's letting you know that he is dying, but he's only going to die one time and he's going to be resurrected again. So then that takes us to our text this morning. Won't he do it? You still with me? Verse 30 says, I need to read it too. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Now remember, Jesus is in the, in the, in the temple, the sanctuary, just like we are today. This is your temple. He's teaching the people, and it says that when he taught, many believed. I want you to get that. He taught, and many believed. That means that there was a level of faith that they believed what Jesus was teaching. Verse 31, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, the ones that believed, there were a lot of people present, but everybody didn't believe. There's a lot of people present today, but everybody ain't a believer. The word is going to go forward. It's going to fall on ground. Some of the ground will be fertile. Some of the ground will be stony. The Holy Spirit will water it, and it will take root. 
My job is to give you the word. Somebody say the word. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, he sets a condition. Those that believed on on him, here is a condition. If ye continue in my word. Let me pause right there. You received the word. You were on fire. You got saved. You got baptized. You was filled with the Holy Ghost. And couldn't nobody tell you nothing. And then you stopped reading the word. You stopped coming to church. You started going back to the old ways. And before you knew it, you were back out in the world. You received the word, but you didn't stay in the word. Point number one, free liberation comes by you staying in the word. I know it's not deep, but you got to get it. If you want to stay free, you got to stay in the word. That's not me. That's the word. That's what he says. He sets the conditions for liberation. The conditional statement, if is always followed by then. He says, if ye continue in my words daily, continue. A discipline, routine, continue in my word, then are ye my disciples. That word disciple there in the Greek means a learner. He says that if you continue in my word, you're going to learn my word. You're going to be my disciple. In Jewish customs and traditions, the disciples, they stayed in close proximity with the rabbis. They wanted to not only see them teach the word, read the word, but they also, this was an ex, um, exper- experiential um, life. They wanted to experience what the rabbis did. They wanted to experience what Jesus did. He says that if you want to learn of me, then you got to walk in my shoes. You got to do what I do. When I move, see there, y'all already know. You, you got to walk in his shoes. You got to do the things that he's doing. You have to be a disciple. A disciple is one that learns the word of God. So he sets the condition If you want to be liberated this weekend, one, you got to be in the Word. Two, you got to live the Word. Be in the Word and live the Word. You got to be the disciple. Won't he do it? Verse 32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What is the truth? I got a few Bible readers. Let me ask it one more time. What is the truth? The Word of God. If you want to be liberated, you need to read the Word. If you want to know what God says about you, you have to read the Word. There is a library that is full of books. But I will tell you, this is the number one bestseller of all times. You got to read the word. It's been translated in more languages than any book in the world. You got to get in it. And when you get in it, guess what? It'll get in you. Come on, somebody. Why do I know that? Because the word of God is his spirit. 
And if you want to get in the word and you want the spirit to get in you, it's reciprocal. If you want to be liberated, get in the word. If you want to be free, get in the word. If you want to know about finances, get in the word. If you want to know about marriage, get in the word. If you want to know how to raise your children, get in the word. If you want to know how to praise God, get in the word. Somebody shout, get in the word. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall, not might, not could, shall. It's completed. It's been done. It's settled. You can close the book. It shall make you free. Verse 33, they answered him. Now, this is Jesus having a discourse. Remember, these are the, the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes were the ones that wrote the word, the written word. They knew the word. The Pharisees were the teachers of the word. Listen to the response that they give Jesus. Not only is he the written word, he's the living word. You're going to try to tell the living word and the written word what it says about him. Come on, somebody. How are you going to tell me about me? I know about me. But listen to the response of the Jewish leaders. They answered him, we, with their pious self, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Did you get that? You wrote the word, and you're supposed to know the word, and here you're responding, talking about you Abraham's seed. Does anybody know the story of Abraham? Does anybody know the story of his descendants? They were in bondage for 430 years. And yet they have the gall to say, we Abraham's seed. And we're never in bondage. That's a lie from the pit of hell. To any man, how sayest thou, ye shall be made free. Check out Jesus handles these brothers. Here's his response. Jesus answered them, verily, verily, that word is transcribed or translated, surely, surely. Sound like a little confidence to me. Surely, surely. Uh, I say unto you, he, he's pointing them out, plural, you. He literally is pointing the finger at each one of them. I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Now I got to take you back. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, is the fall of man. We all know that Jesus, that God gives Adam and Eve authority and dominion. Ex usia. Huh? Right? And uh, Deuteronomy, thank you, Sister Pat. That means he gives them the power and the authority to be able to take on everything that's in the garden. But just like you and me, he's given us the same power, he's given us the same authority. But then he also gives us commandments, statutes, and principles, and he says, these are the things that you're not supposed to do. Now, Adam and Eve, he only gave them one command. Don't eat from the tree of life, the forbidden tree. 
Don't go there. Don't look at it. Don't ponder it. Why? Because there's a serpent who operates in the flesh. And the last time I checked, you, me, we, us, we're flesh and blood. So I want you to put yourself in the garden with Adam and Eve. We got men and women in here. You put yourself in the garden. And God gives them specific instructions telling them not to do this, but they do it anyway. Men, this is a shout out for you. Husbands, fathers, don't blame the woman for what God gave you authority over. You're supposed to cover the woman. Last I checked, in my Bible, it doesn't say to follow a woman. It says to follow a man, which means that you are the one responsible and you're the one accountable for allowing the woman to do what the woman did. So just like God covered Adam and Eve in the garden, he's given you, me, us, the same responsibility to cover our women. Sisters, I, I thought I'd get at least one hand clap. I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to teach your husbands and your men a little bit about the Bible. I appreciate it, but that's a little late now. Too late, too late. So they eat of the forbidden fruit, and sin takes place. We are born into sin because of the fall of Adam and Eve. You're born into sin. I want you to understand that. It's nothing that you can control. You're born into sin. You're flesh and blood. So because you're born into sin and you're flesh and blood, you have sin. Sin. One more time. You have sin temptations. Why? Because you're flesh and blood. You operate in senses. See, taste, smell, feel, hear. You operate in sense is. God has given you senses, which allows you to be flesh and blood. God doesn't operate in the flesh. He operates in the spirit. So you have what we call um, sin operates in the flesh, but then God operates in the spirit. Therefore, he gives you revelation knowledge and not sense knowledge. See, you think you're so smart, right? Because you have sense. He's giving you your senses. You have sense knowledge. God doesn't operate like that. I told you, when you get in the Word, He gives you revelation knowledge. It's revealed to you. The more you read the Word, the more you get in the Spirit. The things that when you were uh, a newborn creature in Christ, you were a babe in Christ, you will be walking along and then you see something that reminded you of your flesh, and what do you do? You stumble, right? You see that sign that reminds you of the spirits that you used to partake of? You stumble back into it. You get a phone call. You look on your, on your cell phone, caller ID. It's your boo or your bae. And the spirit is telling you, don't answer that phone. But you're like, well, I ain't talked to him or her in a long time. Let me just see. You're back into the world again. Uh, not only do you get the call, you hang up from the call, 
And Satan knows that he's got you. He's got your attention, right? And when you hang up, you go to a site, and it's a site that you shouldn't be seeing, and it says, swipe left, and you swipe left. Back into fornication, back into pornography. All of these things operate in the flesh. That is flesh knowledge. God operates in revelation knowledge. You got to get in the word. Won't he do it? I'm almost done. Verse 34, then Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever, let me back up, let me back up. I missed verse 33. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Is the servant of sin. Is the servant of sin. Present tense. When you commit it, you're in it. Say it one more time. When you commit it, you're in it. Let me give you some good news. God says if you confess your faults one to another, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, to wipe your slate clean, and he cast it into the sea of forgiveness. Again, somebody say, get in the word. You got to know what God says about your circumstance in your situations. Not a whole lot of points in this sermon. Got to get in the word. Got to stay in the word. That's what's going to liberate you. That's what's going to set you free. Verse 35, this is Jesus. He's still teaching. He's still teaching. And the servant abideth in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. It's making reference there, Jewish custom. When he says this, they know that he's talking about um, Ishmael and Isaac. He's talking about the two sons. One went into the wilderness and one stayed. He's making that reference to the Jewish people so they understand what it means when it comes to a son. If you look in your Bible, did you notice again in verse 35, son in the B part of that, but the son abideth ever. Capital S, not lowercase s, capital S, which makes reference to Jesus the Christ. He is the son of God. He abideth forever. Somebody say forever. forever. 36. And we'll close it out. You can shout. You can get delivered. Whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do. My assignment, my job is done. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free. Conditional statement. If then. Uh, I will answer the question and let you know that the Son has already made you free. Therefore, whether or not you walk in freedom or walk in slavery or in the, as a bond servant, it's left up to you. If the son, he already has, therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Now, um, I'm canvassing the room. Y'all all look like you're free, dressed up good, 
got your mask on. But true freedom, it ain't in the Declaration of Independence. True freedom, it ain't on celebration of Juneteenth. True freedom comes with your relationship with the one and only true and living God. The Bible says that he went to hell. He died for your sins, for my sins, for our sins. And the Bible says that he was resurrected with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. Come on. Uh, so I'm going to demonstrate this is you this morning. A lot of y'all walking around thinking that you free. You walking around with independence and emancipation. You received Christ. You was on fire. You got saved. You went out. You were shouting. You was dancing. And then the world hit you. COVID happened. You found yourself. Hello, those of you watching on the internet, this is your call to come back. You, you got comfortable sitting at home. But let me remind you, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is the assemble, the assembly of those believers because God has given you human touch. I can touch you via internet. Thank God for those that are watching via internet and YouTube. We love you. Pieces. But those of you that are here, I can touch you. As a shepherd, I got to be able to touch you. As a pastor, I got to be able to touch you. It's the feel when I pray with you and I lay hands on you. It's the feel, it's the touch. So many of you, you came in here, you got saved. You went out. You stopped coming to church. And you found yourself handcuffed. Back in the world back in bondage, back sinning, I came to announce to you today that all of those things that are holding you, anxiety, fear, depression, oppression, sickness, disease, alcohol, fornication, adultery, anxiety, the list goes on and on and on. I came to remind you today, get in your word, stay in the word. God has given you a comforter through the Holy Spirit that on this liberation day, God has set you, we, us, free. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? God bless you.